Well, thank you. I am joined today by Will Maxwell Prince, W. Maxwell Prince, as you may know him, the writer of Ice Cream Man, one of my favorite comics of the last couple of years uh, on the best of 2020 so far podcast that we recently recorded. I called Ice Cream Man my favorite ongoing comic book. So I'm extremely excited to have you here today, Will, and to talk to you about this series in depth. Uh, let me kick off. Yeah, yeah. Let me kick off with the question, what inspired Ice Cream Man as a work? Kind of how did you arrive at this project? Sure. Well, uh, before Ice Cream Man, I did this graphic novella um, on image called One Week in the Library. Um, and that was uh, seven chapters of these short stories uh, that didn't have any set sort of page count. Um, and I, I won't bore you or, or anyone else with what One Week in the Library was about, but um, I did that project after uh, doing a fair amount of, of what you would call serial comic storytelling, you know, going from issue to issue, trying to tell uh, one story across five issues, six issues, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I found after doing that, that project of short stories that I, I figured my, I realized that my strengths as a storyteller and, you know, any storyteller, I think probably spends a lifetime trying to figure out what it is they're really good at. Uh, my personal strengths were in telling compressed short stories. Um, and so I knew after the library project that I wanted to do, um, basically a, a book of one shots um, yeah. where each, uh, you know, each story had its own characters and its own sort of hook and it, and it, uh, it got in and got out really quickly um, while still being, you know, kind of leaving an impression on the reader, even though it was kind of ephemeral by nature. Um, so I had all these story ideas, but no real um, justification for putting them together in the same book. Um, and then I'm a, Pretty big fan of the HBO show High Maintenance. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, um, I haven't actually. It is. It started actually as a web series on HBO about the riots, and there have been I think four seasons so far. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, it's basically these episodes, half-hour episodes of of short stories of um, these little zoom-ins on the lives of people that live in New York, um, and the uh, the thing that connects all of them is that they all buy weed from the same weed dealer um, named uh, the guy that's his name in the, in the, in the show. Um, sure. Yeah. And so the guy kind of weaves in and out of all these stories. Sometimes he plays a big part in these little short stories. Sometimes he just kind of delivers some weed and gets out of the door and you're just uh, kind of watching, you know, these, these people's lives uh, kind of unfold. Um, so I thought that, that structure uh, was really appealing. Um, so I uh, figured, you know, I, I thought who, who could be my weed dealer um, <laughs> right. with all of these weird stories that I had. And, you know, after kind of a lot of thinking and drifting off, um, I landed on this character of the ice cream man. And, you know, once you kind of, decide on these things, then other parts of your stories kind of start to transform and take shape. So for whatever reason, I don't know how I kind of landed on the ice cream man as this guy that would kind of connect everything. Mm -hmm. And from there, all of these little stories that I had been working on started to 
take on a kind of different meaning. And I found ways to make them fit together uh, around this concept of the ice cream man. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask, because Ice Cream Man is nearly 100% self-contained, how how you stumbled upon that approach, um, which I think you definitely just answered quite quite thoroughly. I was going to ask about influences as well. It's interesting that it would be outside of comics, I think is so often the case, you know, other media that is kind of influencing the direction there. I did want to ask, I mean, you just said you don't know why, but I, I am curious if maybe there's a little more to it in terms of why in Ice Cream Man. Uh, one one thing that sort of sticks out to me as the series has progressed is in Ice Cream Man, there's sort of a a 50s ideal American wholesomeness to that to that character, to that, you know, dressed in all white, giving ice cream to the kids. And obviously the the version of the Ice Cream Man that we know in this series is horrific and, and sort of manifests in all the bad things that are happening are at least tangentially tied to this individual. Um, is there... Is there something to like that visual of an ice cream man to you that sort of spoke to like, I don't know, twisting the the wholesomeness of that image? Or was it just kind of a convenient narrative uh, device? You know, it's um, an ice cream man, uh, especially, you know, after the fashion of, of these guys from the 50s and uh, kind of um, uh, soda pop shop. Uh, guys, uh, oh, they were called soda jerks. You know, these yeah. guys that would wear the white hats and, and sling you your milkshake across the counter. Um, you know, there's a, a kind of uh, akin to clowns. There's this nostalgia and this um, kind of childlike wonder that we hold for these ideas. You know, you you love when the ice cream man comes around um, when you hear the the, the truck music. Um, at least as a kid, most of us, uh, you know, were uh, if someone had a birthday clown, you know, I don't think most kids wound up being too scared of birthday clowns. You know, you got pr pretty excited. Or if you were like a jerky little middle schooler, you made fun of the clown. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so these these particular figures in my head and, and in my life um, kind of hold this dual status uh, where there's all of this nostalgia and 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 love, really, you know, especially when you were a child for these figures. And then as you start to become an adult, uh, especially if you have your own kids, you, you start to think of the proposition of some of these, uh, some of these characters um, and they've become a little strange, you know, you're, um, you know, you, you teach your kids to never uh, accept food from uh, someone that they don't know. Right. Um, and yet, if the ice cream, if the ice cream man like offered your kid like a, a free cone or something, you'd, you'd be like, "Oh, sure." Um, uh, and so we we put a lot of trust in these guys, even though you know they're they could be a little strange. So, you know, there's nothing in particular necessarily that attracted me to an ice cream man. You know, that that uh, figure. Um, sort of emerged through lots of daydreaming and, and thinking of, you know, who who would be driving around this suburban town kind of in touch with everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, but in the back of my mind, there are these um, these couple of, 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 of occupations um, that as you become older, start to creep you out a little bit and, and take on a, a different meaning than they had uh, when you were a kid. Sure, sure. No, that totally makes sense. So getting back a little bit to the, the sort of the open-ended structure 
of the book. I, I would say this is the most exciting aspect to me, or it's definitely become that kind of the what what approach, what structural kind of craft changes is each new issue going to take. It's a genuine thrill, I think, month in and month out, and really works oh, in in a monthly storytelling medium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think in the span of the last five issues, you know, we've seen everything from like a palindrome comic to a crossword puzzle comic to a satire slash send up of Morrison and Quietly's All Star Superman. Um, how do you determine which elements of craft and which structure to take on an issue by issue basis? What is that process like? It is uh, not as exact nor thought out as one might think. Um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, I have uh, what I. Uh, often call storytelling ADD, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know kind of another reason why this format works for me. Um, I get really bored, um, kind of trudging through plot and staying in the same genre over and over again. Um, and so I found that, uh, especially um, where structural puzzles are concerned, that that presenting myself as a writer with a structural challenge uh, kind of forces uh, brings out certain qualities in my writing and pushes me past certain uh, habits of procrastination and of, of laziness. Um, it, it basically just gets me excited about, you know, trying to figure out how to present 24 pages of comic in a novel way. Um, and it becomes kind of addictive, right? Like you, you, uh, we put out early on, uh, like a silence issue, uh, issue six of Ice Cream Man that was told. Mm-hmm. Um, it was completely silent, but it was told across three different tiers. It was kind of three different what if versions of this one guy's life. Uh, and they were all colored to match the uh, flavors of Neapolitan ice cream. Um, and it taught and me so, what the word triptych means. Yeah. There, <laughs> I was not there familiar. You go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of our sliding doors uh, of comics. And, um, you know, people really responded to that and the kind of structural play. And then you go, oh, so, you know, what what else can I do? Um, and I'm a big uh, I'm a big uh, I, I've, I've studied and, and have always been fond of language. Um, so uh, linguistic puzzles are especially appealing to me. So our palindrome issue, um, you know, once it kind of occurred to me, like, well, once the question was posed in my own head, uh, is it possible to write a story that can be the same both backwards and forwards? Yeah. Uh, which I think, you know, the the uh, the first blush answer would be no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you start to say, well, if if I were to try to do that, how in the heck would I do it? And then you, you know, I wrote I think a page of that where um, the text, uh, just kind of taking notes on the notes app in my phone, where the text worked both forwards and backwards. Uh, and I was like, oh, I could just kind of treat, I could solve this problem page by page. And all I have to do is, um, you know, figure out, I basically just have to figure out how to go one way. And as long as each page can be read in the opposite direction, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 even though the final product is a two way, uh, piece of art, um, the problem solving only, you know, occurs in one direction. So uh, that's all to say that, um, you know, little challenges like that um, propel my my writing forward, um, kind of give me the energy and the interest to uh, work through an issue and, and keep in, um, 
you know, uh, keep a project uh, at the top of my mind. Um, and it kind of also uh, satisfies that, that storytelling ADD that I mentioned, because it's uh, every time you go back to the drawing board, it's something completely new and completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I would say it's definitely resonating. It's, it's become a, like I was saying, a, a recurring thing that I look forward to, uh, especially oh, as we were, you. you know, in that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, as we're at that time where, you know, comics are coming back, essentially. Uh, it's, you know, I, I think Ice Cream Man will continue to be one of the ones I look most forward to month in and month out. Uh, one of the issues that really got my attention recently was issue 17. I'm a huge superhero comics fan. It's a lot of what I talk about and write about and, and discuss over on Comic Book Herald. And honestly, we probably could have spent this whole time just talking about all the all-star Superman connections <laughs> because it's obviously that's got iconic status in um, in superhero and comics landscapes. I actually went back and reread it uh, before we talked just to just to sort of refresh in my mind um, exactly what happens and, and then make some of those connections to the issue that you wrote. I guess I did want to ask, let's I guess let's start here. Why why all-star Superman as the you know, because Ice Cream Man has not touched a superhero language, uh, superheroes as a visual medium. You know, it, it's very much outside that. Yet with 17, it goes to a reality where, you know, the Ice Cream Man is this world Superman. And it's clearly um, begins with that, you know, that four panel structure. But from the perspective where it's now, you know, it's All-Star Lois in this world. Um, why, why that comic of all the superhero media that you uh, could have started with? Sure. So, I mean, I, I guess it would be useful to say first, I don't read a ton of superhero comics that haven't been written by Grant Morrison. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I, I would go to the shop every week and, you know, whoever was writing, I, I didn't really have necessarily uh, an, an affinity for any particular writer when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. uh, then even in college. Um, well, no, things sort of changed in college, but um I would, you know, no matter who wrote it, Grant Morrison, Jeff Johns, uh, Tomasi, Paul Levitz, um, you know, and then like lower tier guys, Judd Winnick, um, uh, uh, Chris Yost, um, all these people. It didn't really matter to me. I was just, you know, I loved the characters and I would follow mm -hmm. those character stories. But then as I got an appreciation for, as I, as my appreciation for good writing and good structuring of, especially um, in superhero comics, uh, uh, as that started to grow, um, you know, I, I uh, quickly came to the conclusion that, you know, sort of no one does it like Grant Morrison. Um, and so since, since about the time that I've been in college, and that's, we're talking about uh, 17 years since then, um, I'm, or I, I'm not sure if that math checks out. I'm 35. So whatever the math, whatever 35 minus 19 is um yeah yeah <laughs> thereabouts it works uh 16 years um i i just love you know I've, I've gone back and i've read all of grant morrison's uh superhero work his whole corpus there um and then of course all of his like you know uh, independent work his vertigo work um and but you know all-star superman I, I think rightly is considered by people to be the best Superman story ever told. Um, but what's really great about All-Star All Superman is that, um, w which I don't think it's talked about enough, is that they're one-shots. There, yeah. there is indeed a through line. Um, 
but it, it comes and goes. But for the most part, it's really, you know, each issue um, can stand alone as its own thing, as its own little Superman story. Yeah. Um, and so when I kind of made the decision to, and I reread, I should say, um, All-Star Superman probably twice a year. You know, oh, wow. I'll, yeah. I'll, t- I'll take a weekend, um, you know, maybe in the winter and then again in the summer and just kind of burn through it. Um, just because, you know, it's it's lovely to revisit these things that have, have moved you and, and inspired you. Um, I Once I decided to do an Ice Cream Man superhero story, I, I thought, you know, well, what else is there that's, you know, a kind of a one-shot anthology style superhero book? Um, and I started to kind of think and think and think. I was like, well, actually, my favorite 12-issue superhero book is sort of its own little anthology of one-shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it was a matter of, you know, which of... I knew I wanted to pay homage to one of the issues. Um, and then through a reread, uh, it occurred to me that issue two was structured as kind of a horror story. Yeah. Um, you know, Lois is uh, high on, on space drugs and trapped in the fortress of solitude. And she is convinced that Superman has gone crazy and is going to um, dissect her and uh, perform weird surgeries on her and maybe impregnate her all this horrible stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I realized that it, it was in fact, uh, you know, a, a, a horror story, all of these weird things started to fall in place into my head. Um, the cover for the book, um, I was like, oh, well, obviously he would be holding an ice cream truck. Uh, we, we paid homage, uh, pastiche to Action Comics number one, um, you know, the shot of Superman holding the car over his head. Yeah, um, right. So that, that very obviously, obviously suggested on its own that, you know, the car should be replaced with uh, an ice cream truck and uh, all these kind of things started to fall into place where I realized that it was uh, the perfect issue to uh, to kind of ape. But then somewhere along the line, I also, um, I, I think just because of my own personal politics, um, my I have a three-year-old daughter who I'm trying to, uh, you know, constantly teach about uh, constantly remind her of her own uh self-worth and her value to this world um i thought sure, yeah I, I thought lois perhaps needed um uh more attention um and so yeah it kind of through all of this these different strains of thought uh all-star lois kind of uh fell into my lap uh and it would be it would be kind of like that all-star superman issue where she's looking at Superman thinking maybe he's horrific. And mm-hmm. where, whereas in All-Star Superman, she turns out to be wrong. Uh, I thought the, the nice twist on our book would be that it, she turns out to be right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very effective. I definitely, when I reread the All-Star issue recently, I had that same thought of, yeah, this is definitely um, concerning for Lois, but because you know, Morrison and Quitely are playing in the, you know, Superman is is the embodiment of hope playground and they're playing with sort of Silver Age goofiness to some degree, you know, and obviously having read it before, you know, everything's going to turn out OK. And that actually she's reacting to these weird Superman drugs <laughs> that he's got yeah. in his uh, Fortress of Solitude, whereas in Ice Cream Man, it's like, yeah, that would be really creepy to be taken to an isolation palace 
um, with the world's strongest man who is, you know, increasingly revealing how how little he may or may not care about Lois's own safety. So I, I think it totally works. Another thing that I liked about that issue is it's one of the first where it dawned on me how heavily it was calling back to the history of Ice Cream Man, actually, yeah. um, a lot of times in text, but a lot of times through uh, Martin Morazzo's fantastic art, which I absolutely adore throughout this entire run. But there's a bunch of references to characters, concepts, ideas uh, throughout Ice Cream Man. Was that an intentional reflection of like superhero continuity? And those elements being a big part of that fiction, or is that just something that you were moving towards anyway? No, you you hit the nail on the head. So the idea is that if we're going to do, if our book is one where continuity doesn't matter, and we're going to go play in the world of superheroes, then we have to kind of honor, we have to do the full pastiche and say, all right, well, here's our continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the... Uh, that was issue 17, right? That's right. Um, in uh, issue 12 of Ice Cream Man, um, it's this kind of what if uh, future story where this uh, astronaut, um, a- after the Earth has died, is trying to find a, a, a planet suitable to, to restart life. Uh, and he winds up on this weird abandoned moon where uh, the Ice Cream Man has just been hanging out in the future, uh, and he eventually, not to spoil anything for anyone, he, the Ice Cream Man somehow gets his hands on the astronaut ship and flies off the planet. Um, so, and even though it's never, uh, never, uh, explicitly, uh, suggested or, or even really hinted at, it, totally in my head, the idea was that, uh, Ice Cream Man in the future, uh, was able, flew back through time, uh, through into a, a separate dimension where he could set up shop. And because he, you know, has been in all of these issues, brought all of his, his kind of, uh, personal story with him. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I think the, um, was Superman's Wait. robot in that issue, the Bob de- device? Is that a, or Ice Cream Man's, I should say. Um, that's pulled from that space issue, right? Exactly. So, you know, he brings Bob the robot with him and those robots. And again, a lot of this stuff, you know, it seems clever and planned, but it's, you know, it's through the editing process and through sitting and thinking, well, how can I, how can I hit all the notes I want to hit? How can I pay respect to what I like? How can I play with it and critique it and, and kind of poke fun at it as well? Um, so yeah, in All-Star Superman, Superman has his robots. Uh, and then there's, there's Bob, uh, as our, uh, Superman bot, you know, our ice cream man bot, I should say, uh, yeah. in the isolation palace. So yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things where you just, you know, you, you start with one idea and you follow the threads and you hope that all the pieces fall into place. Sometimes they don't all fall into place, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're lucky and take enough time, um, it, it all kind of works out. Did you did you anticipate when you started the series that there would be more recurring threads? Um, I think the example I look at is in the first issue, there's the introduction of these uh, cops who seem like they're kind of going to be the the framing device for the story. And I think they pop back up in, in a couple issues here and there. Um, but then as it progressed, everything, it became very clear by you know probably issue four that everything was really going to stand on its own two feet. Um, did you have thoughts to kind of have more of a recurring framework or was that just sort of 
as the ball was rolling, those characters just happened to pop back up? Yeah, it's uh, a little bit of both, really. Um, you know, at the end of issue four, we kind of introduced this foil to the ice cream man. Um, and I basically, I wasn't like in a personally in a super great place, um, while writing, uh, issue four. Um, I was pretty sick with like this weird, uh, 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 gastritis and esophagitis thing where like I was getting probed down the throat constantly because, uh, I had all of this like acid basically in my throat that was, uh, uh, made me unable to talk. Um, I just kept losing my voice. Um, Yikes. Uh, it all got fixed, but like I said, I wasn't feeling really good. And then I had written, you know, three issues of comics that were pretty dark. Uh, and I'm, I can be a pretty dark guy, but I'm also like a pretty goofy, happy guy. So mm-hmm. um, I was like, you know, I, I need to, I need to uh, present some sort of light in all of this. And so the, the, foil character whose name is Caleb for, for ice cream man, um, uh, kind of came into being there. Um, but yeah, so then as I started to, uh, uh, kind of weave Caleb into more stories, um, somehow, uh, you know, almost, you, you can just imagine me holding a needle. Like I would like go to weave, uh, or go to sew and, uh, I would like kind of grab something from another issue and it would sort of come along you know and part of that is also that at least the first eight issues for the most part take place in the same suburb right um so it would only make sense that um you know at least in my new jersey suburb uh, you saw the same people all the time even people you didn't know you know um so yeah so these people kind of started to come along for the ride and it started to become fun to see how you could make little callbacks to previous issues to, you know, basically create a larger continuity for a book that prides itself on not having any continuity. <laughs> right, right. It's still fun. How how collaborative is that process of the callbacks? Is that you scripting out callbacks or or Martin um, adding them in or and I'm kind of guessing a little bit of both? Yeah, it winds up, it, it, exactly right. It winds up being a little bit of both, you know, so for... Um, Issue six, the silent issue, um, there are, uh, there's this one page where our main character is sitting on a park bench, mm-hmm. um, in three, uh, and you see three different versions of him sitting on the park bench and the people behind him in each different version are different, uh, kind of playing in the grass behind him. And those people are, uh, like I, I wrote in the script to Martine to please, uh, you know, to make the people in the top panel be uh characters from issue one to make people in the middle panel be characters from uh issue uh four and then to make characters in the last panel be uh characters from another issue uh so Mm -hmm. there are those there are those um, kind of concrete directions like that and then uh nice examples that recently in issue 19 which comes out uh, june 10th uh, and is told in the form of a, uh, talking about structural fun, uh, is told in the form of an instruction manual. Awesome. Uh, yeah. With the step-by-step directions. Um, uh, I was like going through his inked pages and realized that, um, uh, Jolio, the, the, uh, detective was just in like a supermarket aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in in one of the pages and I, I kind of called him out. I was like, Dean, did, did you put this in there? He's like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Um, <laughs> which is, which was great because that, um, that issue also has like an index of all the things that appear in the pages of the instruction manual. Yeah. Um, so I was able to put uh, an old character into the index of, uh, of our book. So, yeah. So sometimes, you know, I'm, trying to place characters and then other times martin is just uh having a bunch of fun and and him and chris um o'halloran our, our colorist um you know kind of sprinkle these things as it were uh throughout the 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 backgrounds and, and the uh the, the kind of blink and you miss it panels nice yeah it's really cool i think along those same lines as far as collaboration um you and and martin worked together previously on the electric sublime and and now we're together on Ice Cream Man. When you when you're sort of pitching him on like, hey, this this issue is going to be kind of a crossword puzzle. How much <laughs> how much do you have to sell it, and how much is him like just immediately creatively responding to sort of the the wild inventiveness of a new structure? Well, so it's you know the you mentioned the Electric Sublime. It's kind of good that we started with that. So that that project. Um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do like an art history story. Yeah. Um, and I knew that I wanted to, um, uh, again, this is like, you know, me sort of challenging myself to try to push my own storytelling forward. I knew I wanted to recreate the interior worlds of famous pieces of art, you know, so if you were magically able to step inside the Mona Lisa, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. If you were able to step into a cubist painting, what would that world look like? Um, so I needed a, a, an artist that could, that would basically uh, commit um, and agree to, uh, you know, doing a pointillist uh, sequence, uh, you know, uh, in the middle of a bunch of normal pages or doing a, um, you know, a, an abstract expressionist sequence in the middle of a bunch of normal pages. And mm -hmm. I approached like, I approached like three different artists um, and it was a pretty hard sell, you know, saying, Hey, I need you to draw in your style. And also could you, uh, draw in a classical artist style. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, could you recreate Van Gogh real quick on a monthly basis? Um, <laughs> so, uh, it was a tall order, but Martin, like the next day, um, he totally got it and he was like, I can do this and I love the idea. Um, so in that book, he, he really did do a lot of that. He, he did like a two page, um, sequence where uh, our main character is inside of Guernica. Uh, and it looks just like Guernica. Uh, it also helped out a lot by, uh, on that book, Matt Lopez uh, was our colorist. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so we started off kind of tackling impossible challenges. Um, so I I think we're, you know, we, uh, as this happens with any sort of uh, creative team, uh, over time, you just kind of start to speak the same language. Um, so Martin now, I, I think is almost disappointed at this point if I don't send him something really difficult to make. That's <laughs> um, one. Yeah. So like issue 20, which we're kind of working on now is a recreation of all these, um, famous children's books, like the ones that I read my daughter basically. Oh yeah. Um, with like little twists. Well, not actually pretty big twists on them. Um, and, you know, so, uh, Martin is, uh, basically drawing in the style of Goodnight Moon for three pages, drawing in the style of Shel Silverstein's, uh, The Giving Tree 
yeah. for for like eight pages and then doing like a, a Dr. Seuss thing for six pages. Um, so yeah, he's, I think um, he's, this is kind of a long way around to this answer, but he's, he's always now pretty psyched to try something new. Um, and I think I like, I'd like to believe that um, these challenges have started to work kind of in the same way for him as they work for me, which is that they, um, you know, propel you forward and start to bring out things in your art and your craft that uh, may not be immediately obvious to you. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, it's been really fun, and both Martine and Chris have been uh, very patient with me um, and, and very uh, generous with their patience uh, every time I come up with one of these new uh, silly ideas. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'm super excited for issue 20 now. I have a, a three-year-old as well. So oh, awesome. all, the, all those books you mentioned are, are regulars in the, uh, the nighttime reading selection. So I'm, I'm confident I'll get the reference. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> don't, don't, don't read it to your kid. I've had to don't, <laughs> don't share this particular issue. Yeah, I, I was, um, I had the tablet up on the counter and I was like, no, this, this one's when I was reading Ice Cream Man. I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll turn this one away so you can't see. <laughs> exactly what's happening here um my daughter weir weir weirdly loves ice cream man um she doesn't know what's going on but like you know we oh have yeah so many, we have so many copies around the house all the time it's kind of hard to hide them from her sure um and so she's like constantly like opening up to some page of some guy dripping in blood or something I'm like, oh. <laughs> and she'll be like oh like the funny man i'll be like oh i have to try to get around this now yeah yeah, well, it's good Good to have a fan in the house, yeah. I would think. <laughs> That's fun. Um, I was going to ask, at its core, the battle between Rick, so the Ice Cream Man, and Caleb, that, that cowboy in black, it's it's kind of a battle between fragmentation and this recurring philosophy that you've quoted a number of times, everything is one thing. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to you um, and why it's such an important recurring phrase? It definitely seems to be the center of what this book is all about. Well, first of all, thank you for, for even recognizing that because it is, you know, you do a lot of work as a writer to try to present these ideas, even if they're kind of abstract and, uh, you know, a little, uh, I don't know, a little cerebral or something. But, uh, but yeah, that, that is exactly it. Um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I find, um, so this might, all sound pretty kooky. So if I, if I go too far off the rails, please feel free to, to stop me uh, and let me know that I've done so. But um, <laughs> no worries. That's why we're here. Yeah. So the, I mean, you know, the dark stuff in Ice Cream Man is always, you know, the, um, that voice in the back of your head that's telling you that things are terrible, that things aren't going to work out. Um, you know, uh, you, you and I were talking uh, during uh pretty much the, the strangest thing that I think has ever happened in any of our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of really hard right now to turn that voice off. Um, and I find that that uh, perspective, which is one of, you know, uh, one of pessimism, one of selfishness, one of, uh, uh, one of cynicism um, comes from uh, fragmented thinking comes from, you know, basically not being centered Um a lot of that is exacerbated by, you know, the kind of internet age that we live in, that we live in. Everything moves really fast. It's hard to spend uh, any time with one thing or one thought or one 
piece of media. Um, and I know, you know, my thought process, um, has become, you know, completely disjointed over the past, uh, probably six or seven years of constantly being on my phone and reading the news and, uh, you know, writing and being a parent. And, uh, I, I have a, a day job, a full-time job, um, doing my job and, um, you know, trying to stay healthy and cook and uh, balance all this information that you get about what is good for you, what isn't good for you, what is the right way to operate, what isn't the right way to operate, um, all sort of stuff like that. And so I, I find that that, that the, the more cynical side of my brain uh, is fed, the more fragmented my thinking is. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, meditation comes in. And I think a big um, goal of meditation is to come to a center, is to slow down the thought process, if not turn it off completely. Um, and so if, if I'm not focusing on the way in which uh, all of these various disparate, what seemingly disparate uh, parts of my life and my thought process are, in fact, um, if I'm not focusing on the way in which they are, they're actually all connected, um, and that they're all part of, you know, the same sort of human experience, my personal life experience, uh, you know, that the things that flash across my screen over the course of the day, uh, should be carried elsewhere, whether it's, you know, to kind of share with my daughter or to teach my daughter something about the way the world should or shouldn't work. Um, if I'm not focusing on, on the connectivity of things, um, then I'm just kind of miserable. Um, yeah. so, so ice cream man versus Caleb, um, you know, has, has, has come for me to represent, uh, those two sides, which is the, you know, the fast, the, the cynical thinking that is, uh, fed by fragmentation and by being unable to focus and come to a center. And then the kind of, um, transcendental, uh, transcended thinking. Uh, which comes from, you know, realizing the ways in which people are connected, the ways in which uh, our bodies are connected to the world outside of us, uh, the ways in which we are connected to the digital world. Um, you know, it, it's it's almost a Buddhist thinking, really. Um, so, yeah, those two characters have come to represent those two different thought processes. processes and it's a pretty good gauge. <laughs> Uh, depending on the tone of basically the last three pages of an ice cream man issue, uh, you could pretty much exactly guess as to where my mind was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> during, during that month of writing. I was going to ask you about that because it, some issues and very hopefully, um, I, I noted issue 14 and issue 18 actually as two examples. It's so the crossword puzzle and then the, the memory comic, uh, both end surprisingly for the series. Uh, hopeful, where both characters sort of, it, it's almost like they defeat ex existential dread. <laughs> am I am I reading that right, that those come across um, a little differently than a lot of the rest of the issues? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, so in 14, like the, you know, the husband and wife are able to kind of get out of their own interior worlds. Um, uh, the husband's being, you know, kind of uh, distracting himself with crossword puzzles, which is something that I, I still do that unfortunately, um, I do one or two of them a day. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, the wife being kind of, uh, getting caught up in suburban pettiness and paranoia and all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. 
they are able to escape that at the end. And then there's this like one note where the, the contractors that were at their house kind of who had uh, previously the wife had possibly hallucinated them transforming into demon-like characters. Um, they very mm-hmm. quick, quickly for one panel transform back to, to demons. And that's, um, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but it's really just like a pure telegraph of my psychology where, you know, I, I, I finished writing the issue and I was feeling good. And then maybe, you know, something bad happened at work or something bad. I got into a fight at home or something. And I like, I changed this one panel <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to, to kind of uh, go against the happy ending I had. But yeah, then, you know, issue 18, um, I was feeling really good. Um, and same with issue 19, which, which hasn't come out yet. There's a, a, a kind of, uh, it's still pretty dark, but there's also, think the sort of button of hopefulness at the end uh and then there ain't much of that in issue 20 which is being written right now amidst all of this this craziness um so yeah, yeah it's it, it's like a, a a direct translation of my personal psychology over the course of like you know the two to three weeks that i write one of these issues that's that's really interesting and and makes a lot of sense um all right i have two two more kind of questions I want to tackle um, and just being cognizant of your time. The okay. So right now you are, you launched quarantine comics, yeah. which uh, came right out after, uh, you know, basically kind of, I think diamond announced they were stopping publications and you've been releasing digitally throughout the pandemic. Um, I believe weekly issues, uh, four page short stories with, with the creative team on ice cream, Man, right? It's Martin Morazzo and Chris O'Halloran. Yeah. on colors um these issues are super fun four pages at a time i particularly loved the as a superhero nerd the the return of pinky ring and awesome. the uh the inverted green lantern origin story that was excellent and i think to your point about you know the the art team jumping on doing a new style it's it's visually very much in that sort of silver age um you know superhero style so that's that's been super fun how has the experience for you been uh self-publishing digitally it's i as far as I know, it's something that you've you're doing for the first time. I'm kind of curious about the the behind the scenes and if you think it's something you'll continue. Yeah, so I mean, um, it's definitely my first time doing it. Uh, it was born of you know a kind of helplessness as we got the news that Diamond was shutting down, that the industry at large was shutting down for a while. Um, you know, you found yourself. I think a lot of us found ourselves thinking, you know, what can I do? um to help or what can i do even to survive um and uh yeah i you know um (laughs) i mean this is going to sound so uh lame but i've I've always wanted to do uh an issue um as a sonnet uh an issue of of, of ice cream man comics uh but a sonnet the sonnet is only 14 lines and to sustain that over the course of a full issue of comics, you know, I, I ne- could never figure out, uh, as far as that, you know, sort of structural challenge goes, um, how, uh, I could make that work across like a full 20 to 24 pages of comics. So I never really, uh, pulled it off and never really tried all that hard. But, um, I, I was outside with my family and we were at the, we live in Brooklyn. We were at Prospect Park. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I like very quickly and, you know, I, was, I had been reading all this stuff about how, uh, like, oh, it's, you know, you're in quarantine. You should take advantage of it and, 
write that amazing thing that you <laughs> yeah that uh, was a popular one that you've been waiting to write because hey like Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the plague um, and like my my first blush reaction to that was you know, fuck you um, <laughs> like, right like Shakespeare didn't have like a three year old and another job and a phone and Netflix. Um, <laughs> Shakespeare so, on Netflix would have been a very different, uh, <laughs> a very different collected work. Right? Yeah. So, um, so I kind of quickly wrote this sonnet about, you know, have this lack of productivity um, during the first couple weeks of, of quarantine, um, and kind of as I wrote it, uh, I was like, oh well, why don't I just make make it as long as it needs to be, which is short. Um, you know, kind of uh, basically pacing the couplets across panels. Mm-hmm. Um, the And yeah, and uh, so somehow in that park, uh, I was like, well, oh, like, why don't I have Martine and Chris draw this and then I'll just release it online and ask Eric Stevenson if it's okay if we do that because um, if, the, if, if it's going to be this creative team, it should be an Ice Cream Man book right now. Yeah. Um, and as I was kind of filtering all this through my mind, I was like, oh, well, like, you know, um, we could do a bunch of these. And uh, I had been looking, you know, been asking myself that question, how can I help? What can I do? Um, and it became clear that what I could do is continue what I've been doing, which is making Ice Cream Man comics with uh, my two collaborators. Um, so, yeah, so then we just decided, um, you know, they are amazing for uh, working so fast. They basically, yeah. you know, created uh, fully realized and, and four page comics every week in about five and a half days um, and like, and cut no corners, um, which is really amazing. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, at one point it just became clear that we should do a bunch of them. Um, and uh, Eric Stevenson and Kat Salazar at Image were actually really excited by it. Um, you know, because it was, uh, new content that they could promote during the shutdown. Uh, yeah. and that, that's been kind of the, the bane of all of this is that there is no new content. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, we got the go ahead and decided to make a small little business of it. And we were able to, uh, and then the goal was, you know, we don't want, we did, we know how sensitive comic shops are to a digital product because, uh, sure. they've, They've always been, they don't want to lose, they don't want to um, uh, train readers to uh, in new habits that don't include their shop, you know? Um, so it made sense to do these digital books with the idea that we could help the physical shops. Um, so I uh, decided to donate 50% of the every, all the money that we made to uh, BINC Bank. Yeah. Um, which is the charity fund that helps independent bookstores. And then they, during the quarantine, created uh, their, I think with DC, their own uh, comic-specific fund, uh, which is what we ended up um, uh, donating uh, our money to. Um, and yeah, we were able to, you know, uh, have our cake and eat it too. We uh, created new material. We were able to keep our fans interested. We were able to, raise a really good amount of money uh, for comic shops uh, and we were able to you know over the course of six weeks create uh, 25 or 26 pages of of content um, you know that that we now 
um, may or may not be releasing in September as a physical book. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. We, we are. I don't need to play coy. Um, that, that, that new, <laughs> I hope so. They're really good. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And then, so the same thing will be, so not only will the floppy comic, you know, benefit the stores by being in the stores, but we're also going to donate half of the proceeds again uh, to bank for that. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like a small project that turned into something uh, more wonderful than we really could have anticipated. So does that mean you're done with six now that you're kind of back in the throes of getting, getting issues out monthly? Yeah. So right now, yesterday we launched uh, the guest series. Yeah. Um, and so basically we've invited some other creators to do little ice cream on shorts. Um, so yesterday we released stories, one by written and drawn by Declan Shalvey mm-hmm. uh, from Moon Knight and uh, Savage Town. Um, and then a, a, a good friend of mine, up and coming uh, writer named Dennis Camp, uh, who wrote uh, this book, Maxwell's Demons for Vault yeah. Comics. Um, and uh, this guy named Art Young, who's uh, a friend of Dennis's, who, who drew this really sweet little four-page story. Um, so yeah, so we they got to play in the Ice Cream Man sandbox, and we released their stories yesterday. We've got another one coming this coming Thursday, and then nice. a final final one the Thursday after that. Very cool. So two more to come. Yeah. Can you announce who the artists are on that? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. Uh, so the um, Christopher Cantwell, um, who yeah. wrote She Could Fly, and he does work at, um, he works for Karen Berger over at Dark Horse and uh, is doing some Marvel stuff. He's doing next week's uh, short. And Very then cool. uh, the week after is uh, Mr. Al Ewing, which would be really fun. Oh, dang. Yeah. Got Marvel's uh, Doctor Doom writer and then the Immortal Hulk writer. We're we're, go, we're, we're going exciting. out going out with a, a Marvel band, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I am really looking forward to those. All right, final question for you: What would a satisfying run look like to you on Ice Cream Man, it, in terms of both length, but also just in terms of what you want to accomplish at the end of this? What is what is kind of at the end of the day? You say, "All right, we're hanging it up on Ice Cream Man." What do you what do you want to look back and see? Yeah, I, I mean this. This sounds kind of cheesy, but in a lot of ways, we already have accomplished what more than I hoped we'd accomplished. Um, yeah. You know, we got really lucky. Uh, you know, this is not a straightforward book, but, um, you know, we're one of the currently uh, longest running image books that's on shelves right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of issue number and stuff. Uh, uh, and that's because a lot of their, you know, bigger books have, have recently ended and stuff. But, um yeah, I mean, we, you know, uh, the response that we've gotten to this book and, and what it's the people that have gotten in touch about, you know, uh, ways in which it's made them think or, or, or moved them in some way, uh, has all been super amazing, uh, and unexpected, um, for a book that's not really down, down the middle in any way. Um, you know, I, uh, the fact that, uh, a book that has an issue that is uh, a, just a palindrome, you know, and that is, uh, <laughs> it's mildly challenging. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that is, you know, that is a structural play first with like an emotional hook second, even though I yeah. think both, both are important to the, 
power of that particular issue. The fact that that kind of book can be cited as someone's favorite comic book, I just didn't really think was going to be the case. Um, so yeah, we are, I mean, just really happy uh, with the, the way this has all turned out and the way that it's affected all of our careers and, and given us work to do. Um, my, you know, things over the next months are going to be pretty hard, even for a book like ours. Um, and num numbers are going to be very different. Um, and the way that it works on image is that these books have to, um, you know, basically pay the artists a decent page rate in the end for it to really be worth it to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we're definitely, then a go to issue 20. Uh, and then I think even no matter what happens, we will look to go to issue 24. Okay. And, and possibly end it there. Um, I don't want to overstay my welcome and I don't ever want to, the second that I have an idea that seems like something similar to something we've already done, I think that's the, the minute that I need to hit the eject button. Um, because then like the, the, the whole conceit of the book and what makes the book special, um, is kind of gone. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I don't hold me to that cause I could get to 24 and then have an idea for four more. Um, sure. but yeah, I think the idea right now at least, uh, is to get to 24, um, and then maybe start over again or start something new i'm not sure sure okay that's interesting yeah i mean definitely definitely coming up on that not uh not too far off does that mean you know essentially the the outline or the the content of that final issue already uh it uh not you know i i never know until i write the full script um yeah. that i have uh, even before issues 21 oh well, actually i have 21 uh, figure it out but it, even before issues 22 and 23 i kind of know what 24 is going to be yeah gotcha okay all right i'm really looking forward to seeing how it continues to play as as much as i have loved it and look for it to continue as as long as you all want it to i think that's the the final part of that is the crucial element that you know you, that you want it <laughs> to keep coming out um because i think your instinct there is is probably the right one uh in terms of the the long-term sort of success and, and how people are looking at it. So uh, that is, that's cool. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk through all this with me. It's a book I have, have loved for, you know, a few years now and has meant a lot to me. So getting to talk to you about it is a pretty big thrill. And um, I appreciate how, how much thought, you know, you and the creative team are putting into this book because it's, again, like it really stands out uh, the way that these stories are told. And again, just the inventiveness with comics, it kind of, um, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't want to overstate it, but it, it really gives you thoughts as to how the medium can be used and, and differently, um, which is very, very exciting because it, you know, it's not, doesn't just apply to this series. It's, it's something I look now for other creators. Are they measuring up to what they're trying in ice cream man? <laughs> right. Like that's kind of, it's kind of setting the bar in some ways. Um, and that's, well, thank you, that's thank you so cool. much. It's so nice. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's why we're doing it is to hope that people feel that way and, uh, you know, I think every writer wants to be told that they're doing something special and unique. But, um, you know, when you hear it often enough, you start to believe it yourself. So uh, we're just, uh, you know, we're super happy that people think that of our book and that there are readers like you who 
not only enjoy it, but like um, enjoy it in the way, although, although the way that we hope people enjoy it actually doesn't matter at all. Um, uh, the fact that there are people that are picking up exactly what we're putting down and enjoying it in exactly the way that we um, see it in our minds, um, that is uh, even more gratifying. So thank you.